We laughed so much because we thought you looked like an alien. <laughs> but then, but, <laughs> but I was so cute. But you were cute for an alien, but um, but you were so adorable. And then you became so beautiful. Like it was so funny to watch. Like we thought we obviously we thought you were adorable. I mean, you're our daughter, and you were adorable. Everybody thought you were adorable. But but <laughs> but to us, it was like this running joke that we had a little alien baby and stuff like that. But then you blossomed into this like super super beautiful, adorable little girl. We're just like. Wow, she ain't an alien no more. <laughs> and now look, I've regressed back into alienhood. <laughs> oh, uh, now you're a beautiful young woman. But but uh, yeah, trust me, I've been making fun of you from the day you were born. <laughs> wow. Well, that's a that's a great place to segue into. Hello, everyone. Today we're talking about family trauma. Uh, <laughs> so, no kidding, eh? But let's start by unpacking mine. <laughs> Just going back from the minute I came into this world. Yeah, my trauma has been forming since I came out, and my parents were like, "Ah, ugly little alien." No, not ugly. Oh, sorry, adorable weird, little alien. Weird little alien. Was well, because you because you looked a little bit like ET. You had this huge head with the teeny little body. I think that, I think that's still true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, at, at least our our guest in the last episode, uh, my my wonderful aunt Ivory. At least she at least she was always on my side. No, she wasn't. <sighs> well, she she was. We we're all on your side, but we all agreed you look like ET. Okay, well I'll keep that in mind when you look like ET. Dude, pushing your I'm little getting, walker around. Dude, I'm getting close to it right now, man. You should see me in the morning. It's just like right now I look all, all you know, whatever. But in the morning, it's like uh, uh, <laughs> coffee. It's like E.T. Go Benjamin's phone home. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, I think we're very excited because it hasn't been just you and I in a podcast for ages now a long time i know i know but we have so much fun we gotta we gotta make sure that every at least every other episode is just you and i because we have so much fun i agree and so for those of you just tuning in after that long giggle fest which if you're a long time <laughs> listener of the podcast you're probably used to um we are adding a new segment of the podcast so every other week we'll have a full episode, what you're used to by now, a full interview, or it'll be a full conversation. And then the week after, while you're getting your little teaser video, what you'll also get is a conversation with my father and I unpacking the last episode that you would have just heard. Unpacking loosely, but we'll be having a conversation and talking primarily about that episode. Absolutely. I look forward to it. It's super exciting. It is exciting. It's kind and... of a response for everything, isn't it? Oh, that's super exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is, but it's a good thing. And I am excited to start with this episode because obviously I've known my Aunt Ivory my entire life. So she's a, a guest that I think I know relatively well. And I learned a lot more about her listening to that episode or editing that episode than I had ever known. We did an episode with her before, but I think, or rather you did an episode with her before, but I think a lot more information came out in this episode that really highlighted the difference between how the two of you process things and how you've always processed things. Would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm just trying to, uh, so, so what did you get the most out of the first one compared to this one? 
I know the first one you were kind of like, you found it really interesting, the dynamic between all of us. Yeah, it was really interesting, but it was definitely more of like a scene setting episode because I didn't realize how much you guys had gone through. I didn't realize that you lived apart for a while, that she was living with grandma, that you were living with grandpa. And the way that that your brother pit the two of you against each other, um, like that was all new information to me. So that first episode with her was really interesting in that it kind of set up the whole conversation about why the two of you even have this trauma to begin with. So then this episode, which is technically part two, but it's part one of an episode that I had to cut in half because it was so long. But um, we actually got a little bit more into the actual conversation about healing and, um, and even coming to terms with the fact that you have trauma and having all of these triggers. Like she talked a bit about, her her picker, I think she called it her picker being broken and always picking these people that will kind of turn around and use her. But you don't understand that that's a trauma response that you're having. You don't understand why you're doing that. You're just you're just like, well, I'm I'm broken and these are the choices that I make or I just like I just like guys that treat me like shit. But in reality, it's, <laughs> you know, it, it comes back to all these things that you guys talked about in episode one. So that was really interesting for me to see how it all came around and to dive a little bit more into how she actually copes and has coped with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like our processes were very, very different for dealing with it. Right. I mean, because I find it so interesting and for me in, in many ways, it's almost hard for me to understand. And yet I understand that a lot of people are like this, but she, she still feels it. Whereas like in a way that kind of hurts her. Whereas for me, it's just like, I'm so beyond the pain of it at this point. It's just like, like I said, in, in multiple, multiple uh, interviews and, and what I, as I said, in relation to that trauma, which again, he, you know, it's, it was really hard to highlight how harsh it really was because it was very, very harsh. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, to me, it's just like, fuck, yeah, but look how strong I am. <laughs> like, look how strong I am. Like, I, I listen to other people. I listen to, I don't know. It's just so, so to me, it's just like, it's like, oh, man, I'm so glad I got through that because, God, like, what could break me now? Where she's just like, yeah, so to me, it's, it doesn't even feel like pain. It feels like a blessing. Hmm. So I, I find it quite interesting in, in how we we have processed it differently. And I think for me, at least, the way that the way that Ivory processes things, the way that she experiences trauma, like her her side of this story is a lot more relatable to me than than how you deal with it. And so I'm inclined to believe that a lot more people can understand how she feels. And I I think that there's a part of us, the the hanging on. I mean, nobody wants to hang on, but I do think, just thinking back to the way that she talked about it and the way that she articulated it, a lot of it feels like not hanging on and still being hurt for the purpose of like, it it just still hurts me, or oh, it just still, or it you know, it's not a it just whatever. It's like it turns into a it turns into a defense mechanism so that 
if you if you still feel a little bit of that pain, it's like you won't do that thing because you're still a little bit hurt as opposed to moving on and forgiving or to whatever extent that you that you do either of those things and feeling like you might open yourself up to making the same mistakes, which I don't think is true, but I think it I think it's a rational not rational. I think it's a, a trauma response that I can understand that your brain might go, well, as long as it still kind of hurts when you poke there, you're not going to do that thing again. So it, it's interesting. It's really interesting mm. that, and I think you both, obviously you're both super strong for coming out of it, but it doesn't really seem like she gives herself credit for that as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, again, I, I'm not really sure exactly, but I think one of the differences is that that she never really had something that I, I remember her doing that really kind of was like like where she poured herself into it. So it's like, oh, okay, well, all this pain, I'm pouring it into this. Like she never, she had the interest. She was an amazing singer. She was in a mm-hmm. band. She played guitar. She was super, super smart scholastically. But she, I don't remember her really having anything that she poured all this pain into. Whereas for me, it was very, very distinct. It's like, like all this pain is going right into boxing and it's going right into bodybuilding. And that's where mm-hmm. it's going to go. And that's where it's going to live. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you know what I mean? And then as I got older, it went right into the Goliath Foundation. It's like all that pain is like the biggest blessing for this. And that's where it's going. And that's where it stands. Mm. So why do you think it is that, because just to to bring it back to my previous point, I think that her side of this story is one that a lot of people can relate to and understand. So why do you think it is that that people don't have these things that they pour their, you know, their feelings into? Do you even, do you even have any thoughts on, on why that might be? Uh, well, I do have some thoughts. I do have some thoughts, but I'm I'm not uh, I'm not sure that is right. <laughs> but my thought about it, and again, it's personal. Like I I I, I personalize a lot of things, right? I can personalize it and then I compartmentalize it. But um, in my mind, I felt like, and, and Ivory might disagree with you, but I felt I was in a much much darker hole than she was. I felt like I was much more. I mean, I was admitted for to the hospital for a suicide attempt. I was like, I was like, really, 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 like, I did not know how I was ever going to live another day um, with this pain. And I'm not sure that I, that Ivory really felt that that at the bottom of the barrel, like, like where where for me, I totally felt like like it's either off myself or freaking go the other way. And for whatever reason, I think, I think, uh, I think it, it created such a need to such a desperate need. Like if I get out of this, I got to go out all the way. I got to get out all the way. There's no going back, and there's no there's no ha- um, half stepping this. I got to go all the way, or else I'm not going to make it. Whereas I think if you're, it's kind of like it's kind of like you could put your hand in in a pot of hot water. And and it would hurt, and it's like, oh man, oh man. But if it's freaking boiling hot, 
and you put it in there, it's either going to rip your hand, burn your hand off, or you're going to get that thing out and it's never going back there again. You know, I don't know if that's a good example, but it's, but it's like, I think there comes a point in people's lives where it's like, it could be a numb pain that goes on forever, or it could be a really sharp pain that's super brutal, that feels super brutal to you, that either kills you or elevates you way beyond it. So I think that was kind of, and again, I'm not sure that that's 100% true. That's only my perspective um, to answer the question. But I kind of feel like it, it's something that the answer is somewhere along the, those lines for, for the difference in how we process things. Yeah, it's interesting. While you were talking, I kind of had the phrase come up of being like, not sad enough. And so it's kind of like... Um, and and let it not be said that I'm diminishing or overplaying either of your traumas. I think you both went through absolute hell, it sounds like. And I don't think one of you suffered more or less than the other because I wasn't there and I can't I can't say that for sure. But what I do think is that the way that it's experienced was so different in that I think for you it was crushing. And for her, it was life. It was just the way that life was. And so it it comes to a point of like, because you're talking about basically hitting emotional rock bottom. And if you don't hit that, if it's just like the emotional, like, th like this is just life. This is just life. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. It feels really bad. This is life. You're, it's like you're not sad enough. And I'm using quotes because because you are. You're mm -hmm. you don't need to be more sad but like how how shitty to live in a place where you're you're not sad enough to get out of it when yeah like you've just accepted that that this pain like you've accepted chronic pain and mm -hmm. now and now you can't hit that rock bottom because you've just come to come to the point where you've accepted that that life is painful and yeah. so you can't you can't even feel that sharp pain anymore. You can't even like you don't even notice that it's boiling anymore because you've just accepted that like, oh, well, like whatever, like this is it. Right. So so that's very interesting. It's interesting that it seems like she kind of. Yeah, just got to a point where it was like she just she couldn't she couldn't be sad enough for it to be a crisis. Yeah. She just had to make it work every day. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think one of the differences was again, as we talked about, and again, I'm not minimizing her. See, the way I remember it, and again, this is my perspective, but the way I remember it is like like she said in that in that um that video, like our mom was a train wreck. She mm -hmm. would cry and she'd be depressed and she'd bring these people over over and 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 Ivory, your aunt, would have to listen to it and she'd have to sit there and she'd have to be like and she, and it was like it was and so she would she kind of try to soothe herself with food and my mom tried to soothe her with food and 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 it was like this this dull ache that just went on and on and on and then on the weekends she would come to our house and there'd be like intensity mm. but it'd only be for like a week uh, like a weekend yeah um where it would be like really intense where again we're slapping pucks at her and beating her up and all this kind of stuff. But then she would go back and it would be like, so it was like, again, it was like really intense. And then it would be like numb, really intense. And then it would be numb. Hmm. But I think the difference for me was, I mean, and, and also she, she, she did 
very well in school. She was a very good student and, and she was very good um, musically and stuff like that. And I had things going for me too. I was an athlete and whatever, but, but I, I felt a, I, I really didn't do very good in school. I was getting in trouble. I was getting arrested, all those kinds of things. So I, I think there was just always, always much more of a sense of desperation. And, and again, when, when Gabby would go home at the end of the weekend, I still knew that on Monday morning, I was going to get my head kicked in and I was going to get my head kicked in every freaking day all throughout the week until she came back. And I'd still get my head kicked in, but at least she would be there, right? So for me, again, that level of desperation is like, well, I'm failing and I'm drowning and I'm getting my head kicked in every day and there's no escape for me. Whereas, again, that that difference between going in and out of like like intensity to this numbness, to intensity to numbness was probably just it just was it was super, super painful, but not enough to just but just not quite like you say, it was it was just not painful, quite quite painful enough. Well, and that swing from intensity to numbness is another way that your your brain and your body are going to develop the coping mechanism of it's just temporary. So every weekend was just temporary, but every week would also end and it would be something else. So like it absolutely makes sense that that a, a person's brain would get into the rhythm of this is just temporary. I just need to get through it. Oh, I just, it's Thursday. I just need to get through to Friday and then I'll be, I'll be out of this house with all the crying and the sadness. Oh, it's Saturday. I just need to get through Sunday and then I'll be out of this mm -hmm. house where I'm getting my shit kicked in. And what I think is so interesting about the, um, the aspect of like her doing well in school and you obviously not doing so well in school is that, and knowing that your mom was so focused on academics, that is a huge, huge metric for mental illness in in girls because <clears throat> most of the time that that girls are doing well in school, parents don't think that there's anything going wrong mental health wise. They think that everything's good because you're doing well in school. And that's why so many young girls who do take their lives um, you know, all the all the responses are like, no, what? She was a grade A student. She was doing really well. She da 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 da. But it's like because someone's doing well in school, they assume that there's nothing going on with them, and because they aren't doing well in school, they assume that there is. So it's like the education system still hasn't quite caught up to that mm -hmm. that metric. So it's it's interesting. There's so many interesting parallels between the two of you and your stories and the way that the way that the different kinds and intensities and varying intensities of pain shaped you both and and how it allowed for you to make such a sharp change in your life when you really like mm -hmm. got down to down to the wire down to rock bottom and and she had just trained herself to accept that you know that it would change eventually mm -hmm. and she just had to kind of get through another day well, I think I think another thing that's kind of interesting is is um, there, there's another thing that that I think what's been really really hard for her. I knew or I felt I don't know if it's true, but I felt like nobody nobody really gave me much of a chance. So there was nothing really there was in many ways there was nothing really expected of me. Whereas with for her, she was a very good student. She did do very well, and she had to take care of her mother. Like, like she literally, 
again, I, I was not aware, but now I know. I, I, I do remember after our conversation, this and that, that she basically was a counselor at like a very young age for our mom. So she's this smart kid. She's this skillful kid, this great singing voice. She's got all this stuff going, but she's got all this trauma that she can't deal with because, because she's got to be um, a nurse to our mother. And so she, she almost in a way wasn't even allowed to deal with it. Whereas for me, um, while the trauma may have been more intense, nobody was expecting anything of me. I, would, I wasn't really responsible for anything. So it's like you only had up to go, right? Like I had only had up to go and nobody was counting on nobody was relying on me. Whereas whereas for her, I mean, she loved our mom and and she was a good kid and she was all these things, and our mom needed her. Mm-hmm. I mean, our mom was dying for one thing. I mean, she wasn't really dying at that point, but we all knew she wouldn't she wasn't gonna live forever. I mean, she first she lost her eye, then she lost her legs. Then she lost the use of, then she basically went in a coma and died, right? Mm-hmm. So, and my my mom, my sister, Ivory, is basically kind of knows this is going to happen at some point. She's kind of watching it happen. She's watching the mental breakdown of our mom almost on a daily basis. And, uh, and she's smart and she knows that things are expected of her. So she's got a nurse mind. So that must have been, again, and again, it, it's kind of interesting to talk about all these years later because I never really, really um, thought that much about how, how hard that must have been for her or hard mm-hmm. for anybody. I mean, there's lots and lots of people that, again, they're in this real painful situation, but they have to be the the strong one they have to be the one that takes care of their parents and their kids or whatever and and it's very painful but it's not so painful that it's just like i'm out of here like i'm out of here like whether it's emotionally or or literally physically you know where it's just like the pain is so much is either going to break me or i'm or i'm just out of here it's like that that happens probably in a billion households or like a I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> in twenty billion households worldwide, <laughs> these are the st- uh, me trainer, psychologist, psychiatrist, sociologist, Ben Smith. I know the statistics, but I can tell you that in two hundred billion households worldwide, every day someone is sad. Hey man, let's not forget I went to college for sociology. <laughs> my two, for, my for one t- semester. Oh, sorry, was it two? Two. Two what? semesters. Yeah, and I, I have a certificate in psychology, so we're both <laughs> equally certified to talk about this. Uh, but <laughs> don't be a fool. <laughs> you shush up now, ET. <laughs> so anyway, um, on the next episode about my childhood trauma, we'll be talking about my dad. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, so... So I, I again I, I never really thought that much about it. I knew that she had trauma and I mm-hmm. knew the I knew kind of how it was, but as I step back from it now, yeah, like you say, that that realization that it was painful, but it just wasn't painful enough. Like, oh, and ooh. and not in a diminishing way, but in a just numbness, like yeah. constant drum of of stuff and having to having to keep showing up like she it sounds like she just had to keep showing up so what else what else do you do you can't hit rock bottom you have to keep yeah. showing up 
Yeah. yeah. And and you see that, I see that in, in uh, people like where they're in these horrible relationships or these bad relationships, mm-hmm. um, even abusive relationships. And it's bad, but it's not, it's not like somebody putting a gun to their head and maybe not even smacking them around or whatever, but it's just, you know, constant little like nags. And, oh, why is dinner going to be this way? And mm-hmm. oh, come on. Like, why are you always so late? Well, I start, you know, just in the constant where it's just like, oh man, this person doesn't lift me up at all. They keep breaking me down, but eh, better to be, be with them than to be alone or risk, yeah. risk being alone or whatever. Right. Yeah, you can, it's easy to see the more you look into it, how someone can get into the routine of just not being, I'm not sad enough to get help. I'm not sad Mm -hmm. enough to go to a therapist. I'm not sad enough to be on, you know, to be, uh, you know, admitted to the hospital on suicide watch. I'm not, I'm not sad enough. And maybe you even get to the point where, where you want to be sad enough, where you want Mm -hmm. to like, hey, I feel like I should call somebody and say that I need help. And you're like, I'm just not sad enough. I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm just not sad enough to deserve that. So it's it's interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, for anybody listening to this, then we should kind of really, really highlight the fact that you know the long term consequences of of that numb pain could potentially be worse mm-hmm. than the the hard or the harshest pain that's not as long, right? So so get help, seek help, ask for help, do whatever it takes because you don't want to live like that. And being sad at all is sad enough. Yeah, being exactly being sad at all is it should be unacceptable to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just unhappiness. What I've learned, um, what I've learned, and what I've come to accept is that any level of unhappiness should be unacceptable to anybody. You yeah. should never be less than than content and at peace with your life. Mm-hmm. Like anything less than that, in my opinion, is unacceptable. And it requires a paradigm shift in the way of, uh, like, in your thinking, in your how you process it. And there's an interesting thing. I don't want to go too off, too far on a different topic. But so I, I as I told you, I read through um, Lighting the Blue Flame from Clint mm-hmm. Adams again. And the Clint Adams is amazing. And that book is about bullying. But he gives all these strategies, and he and I did a podcast. So any anybody listening to this, go back to the Clint Adams podcast because we talk about blue brain, red brain, or he talks about blue brain, red brain thinking. Mm-hmm. That was and, episode sixty-seven for those. Yeah, who okay, sixty-seven. So I'm going to delve into it much more with him because because having read his book and and um, and really thought about it in my own way, it's like. That red brain, blue brain thinking is 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 really really crucial to keep you on that state of like where it's like well unhappiness is 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 unacceptable or or whatever. It's mm-hmm. like am I in a red brain thought or am I in a blue brain thought? And you can if you start to if you start to um, recognize that there is a difference and there's a feeling and Clint Adams mastery is or brilliance is his mastery at, at getting people to understand and learn to recognize the difference. And if you can get, and I've done that for myself. And I actually said to him, wow, I did this. I, I did this to myself for myself, but I did it just intuitively. You know, I did it intuitively over time. So that's why I'm always happy. And people are always like, how do you remain happiest? Because 
I didn't really, I didn't call it, for me, it was the happiness line, right? Mm -hmm. That we've talked about. There was the happiness line. For him, it's red brain thinking and blue brain thinking, right? Which is, is exactly the same way thing, but his is probably an easier way of understanding it maybe. But um, it's the exact same thing. Mm. And, and it works for sure. You just yeah. have to, I mean, again, it's one of those things where um, I think that uh, anybody that feels like they're going down that road where that numb pain is just going to be something that's going to linger um, and they're going to struggle with a, a state of, of uh, our being able to accept that unhappiness on any level should be unacceptable. Check out Clint Adams. Check out the vi the video that we did. Check out the book, and even reach out to him because he's that's what he does, right? He's a mm -hmm. he's a self help and a psychologist, and he's he's really an amazing guy. Yeah. Well, for those of you listening, I will add his links down below this episode, as well as where you can listen to that episode where we talked to Clint. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I said, that was episode sixty seven. So I will link that below. I'm looking forward to hearing you guys have another conversation. Yes. We're going to have a series Tanner of conversations. <laughs> we're going to have a series of conversations. Cool. So, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. But for now, that was our first unpacking episode. How do you feel? Uh, I feel I feel a little bit guilty about teasing you about being ET, but also oddly um, joyful about it like ah, I felt like it got a lot off my chest I felt like I've been wanting to tell you that as an adult after telling you so much as a child mm. I feel a little <laughs> bit like this might be my rock bottom so <laughs> <laughs> so if you get an email which uh, which anyone can do by the way if you get an email saying hello I'd like to uh, I'd like to get one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions with trainer Ben Smith because I'm going through some a crisis right now, uh, which which you the listener could do at lovinggoliath at gmail dot com. Uh, you'll know oh, it's from me <laughs> as as I'm trying to deal with the trauma of my parents calling me an alien. <laughs> the best. Hey, by the way, speaking of uh, as you're um, doing your thing, so we have a new sponsor. We do have a new sponsor. I uh, know. <laughs> I was not prepared to do this read right now, but uh, Future Willow will be more than happy to uh, to tell you all about that sponsor right now. We'd like to give a huge thank you to our new sponsor, Go Primal Apparel. By using our code Goliath10, listeners can get 10% off all purchases made at goprimalusa.com. That's code Goliath10 for 10% off. Go with confidence. Go with pride. Go Primal. Thank you again to Go Primal Apparel. And now back to the video. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for making the time to have a conversation with me. I hope that uh, my Aunt Ivory listens to this and isn't like, wow, these guys are jerks. <laughs> <laughs> she would say that about us for me for years. That's true. I'm an angel. You, on the other hand, Angel so slash alien. Angelian? <laughs> Angelian. Awesome. <All> right. <laughs> I got to go edit this episode because it's coming out tomorrow. So those of you listening to this right now, this is the this is the most on time an episode has ever been. So please tomorrow. 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 Yes, sir. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for joining me. Listeners, thank, thank you. you as always for being here. We appreciate you. 
I'm sure that you'll hear all about the rest of our services, what we offer, how you can be in touch with us, and more. But before all of that, we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for joining us, as always. We love hearing from you, so if you have comments, questions about the episode, topics you want us to cover, or anything else, you can find us on Instagram as Loving Goliath, on Facebook as The Goliath Foundation, you can email us at lovinggoliath at gmail.com, or you can find out more information about The Goliath Foundation at thegoliathfoundation.com. Hey, did you know that 36% of our listeners tune in through Apple Podcasts? If that's you and you liked what you heard today, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you again, and we'll catch you next time. Bye!